Welcome to A Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm your host, Parker Westwood. I'm really excited about today's episode. It's actually going to be two episodes uh, because this interview was incredibly lengthy uh, in a wonderful way and I didn't want to cut so much of the really good, vulnerable material. Today we get to dive into my interview with Master Joshua based out of New York. This was an interview in the first batch that I did and I haven't posted it yet because I couldn't figure out how to cut it down to size so I just decided not to and to make it a two-part situation. So this episode is going to cover the first half of our conversation and then the second episode will be the other half of our conversation. We cover so much material so don't worry both episodes are going to be jam-packed full of stuff. Um, I think you're going to like both of them. In this first half of our conversation, Master Joshua and I talk about honorifics and identity, spirituality and BDSM, and the importance of mentorship, among many other things. So I hope you are ready for a ride. Uh, Master Joshua is an incredible storyteller. There's quite a bit of stories throughout the course of this conversation. So I hope you all enjoy it. Um, I should say beforehand, there's a few trigger warnings. Uh, We do talk about the master-slave dynamic a bit. Uh, We also talk about addiction briefly, and there's mention of childhood trauma. This interview was one of the first interviews that I did. I was still kind of figuring out how I wanted my interviews to go. Um, I'm really grateful that this one was more freeform. It allowed for us to flow into different topics, and uh, it felt right. And I tend to go with what feels right. So, there. (laughs) So, here we go. This is the first half of my conversation with Master Joshua. Thank you, Master Joshua, for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Parker. I'm, I'm really honored to, uh, to have this conversation with you. We've had a couple of chats before, and uh, it's, really, it's really incredible connecting with you. Yeah, I'm super excited to have it on the air um, and share it with everybody else. So thank you for being willing. I normally start with people... Uh, with the guests introducing themselves, however they would like to be introduced. So if you'd like to go ahead. So my name is Master Joshua. Uh, I'm out of New York City. I go by he, him when I'm representing a more masculine energy. Uh, I go by she, her, or goddess or mistress when I'm uh, in my more feminine expression. I am uh, able-bodied by POC. I'm uh, of mm-hmm. Latinx heritage and culturally uh, from New York City. Uh, I was born in Miami, uh, mm-hmm. but my identity is New York. Very much so. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we we had a little conversation before, and I'd love to touch on it about your honorific and how you settled on Master Joshua. Um, if you wouldn't, mm-hmm. yeah. So. So uh, the title Master Joshua, Master, right? There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of history around around the the title, the label Master. I'm of the mind frame that honorifics are something that's earned through community, as opposed to something self-titled, right? Because uh, anyone, can go, in reality, anyone can call themselves anything they want, right? So. Mm-hmm. When you carry an honorific, there's expectations of knowledge to go with it, mm-hmm. right? And master, when someone hears that, it's like, you better know your shit. Good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, people are allowed to create whatever identities or use whatever honorifics they so choose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about that too, right? If it's something that helps a person get into their headspace, absolutely as long as there's a conversation around the honorifics, right? What does it mean to that person? Uh, If I meet someone who addresses themselves as, introduces themselves as insert honorific, insert name, Mm -hmm. it's it's a turnoff for me, right? So uh, unless I'm in some high protocol environment, I will introduce myself as Joshua, right? 
Hi, my name is Joshua. I'm known as Master Joshua in the community, uh, but please call me Joshua, right? It's like, let me earn the honorific. Let me earn the title. Um, so that was, that was uh, and it's also like for, for uh, marketing, right? Mm -hmm. I've put a lot of time into learning the trade, experiencing the lifestyle and committing to it, right? Uh, I'm submissive to the BDSM lifestyle and the culture behind it, right? Right. Um, I like the way you put that. Because I have a, I have a, a, a leather band, leather flag that I wear on, on uh, my right side and the right side identifies as submissive side. Oh. And, uh, you know, with the flagging, right? You wear on the left, I'm, in, I'm into a top, I'm in, at the bottom, you know. Right, it's so, like the lesbian uh, hanky code, yeah. Yeah, the hanky yeah. code, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I have a, a leather pride flag that uh, I have and I wear it on my right. And one, I just liked how it felt. Mm -hmm. so my, no, my left, my left and my right. Oh, I haven't worn it in a while because <laughs> I haven't, with COVID and all, Yeah, it's hard to feel it, right? To, to behave and to express and to live by a code is one thing, but to feel the desire to dress and express, it's really like, it's really drawn out a lot of me, right? I, I wore okay. full leather for the first time yesterday in months, and that right. was for a, a client meeting. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been tough trying to express it, trying to be in the headspace to express it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think uh, for a lot of people, even just like taking a shower during COVID has been hard. So, yeah. Very much. <laughs> yeah. Very much. So, I was asked, you know, why do you wear it on that side? And uh, forever it was because it felt good until I sat with it. And I under, I remembered the tradition of top, bottom, left, right. And uh, it resonated with me to the way I live is by this code that I've learned and developed and personally developed and integrated within my own lifestyle of BDSM foundation, right? Integrity, open communication, honesty, respect, equality. Uh, yeah. things that are important for me so over time uh master was to represent the investment that i've made through informing and educating myself and paying it forward on a community level uh, and a professional level as time passed i came across a a male who uh with my then partner we were co-topping and the honorific came up and he says i don't call another man master mm. And because I serve no man, he said, and I sat with that. This was about four years ago, five years ago. And I sat with that. And I personally don't feel the master over anyone, right? Uh, power right. exchange relationships are difficult for me because one is a huge investment, right? And with where I have life going, where I've had it going with my own personal growth and professional development, it's hard to maintain someone else's life the way a power exchange commitment is in my view, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so I don't enjoy power exchanges, relationships. Uh, are they necessary? Absolutely. I have a slave now, but right. <laughs> there's a commitment to it, right? There's a, a known commitment to our dynamic that isn't casual. So, mm -hmm. so I sat there with him and I said, well, I'm not here to be your master, right? I don't, that's not my approach to it. I said, for me, it's more of a master student than it is a master submissive or master slave. Right. And there is a power exchange in that, right? But it's not that I own you. It's that I've walked this path and I want to help you walk it for yourself too. I want to walk with you. It became a master student type of uh, power exchange relation, how I associate my master in my honorific in my name to reflect my relationships with my friends, with my clients, uh, with the community, and in my relationships. I think that's aside so... from the master slave. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> I think that's so important because I've told you this before, but I'm going to say it again for the podcast um, that it's really important to have that master of a skill versus master over someone. Um, I think especially just with the fraught history of slavery in America, yeah. um, it just like brings that up um, 
for a lot of people or it should bring it up for most people, I think. And um, yeah, I, and I had told you before, I had a submissive call me master uh, and I really loved the gender fuck of it instead of yes. mistress. It just like doesn't carry the same oomph. Um, and, but then I like got really uncomfortable with it once I like had a moment to sit with it. I was like, oh, this feels wrong for some reason. But then after talking with you, I'm like, oh, it's just, it's, it could just be how you look at it too. Like master in a skill or master of yeah. a skill rather than master over someone. Even, even with, even with the, um, with the master slave role power exchange dynamic the idea is personal growth right, right. Uh, i took that role over my submissive now slave with the intent of helping her become a better helping her find more concrete footing in her life mm. uh, there's a lot of variables that go into the relationship that that i have to pick the right words for this uh, the trajectory that her journey was going mm -hmm. wasn't, I wasn't happy about it and she was going to crash and burn. Mm -hmm. uh, and she has a very complicated family situation. Not very complicated, but it's complicated enough. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't want to see that ruined. So I offered my guidance, mm -hmm. my lead for her follow to help bring her back onto her, her road. Right, mm -hmm. to, uh, to take her off the road of self-destruction, I should say. And that requires a certain investment from her and from me. So yeah, it's, it's uh, even the ownership, it's hard for me. I mean, while we're playing and stuff, I say things to her, you know, who you belong to and all that stuff. But Of course, yeah, because that's just you know, fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, I mean, there is a level of commitment and ownership both ways, right? Because mm -hmm. she has me as much as I have her. If I can make her a better person, she can help me become a better person. Absolutely. It's not a one-way street for sure. It's not, a, it's not a one-way street. And that, I'm, this is just bringing us right into, we're going to, we'll get to a day in the life of Master Joshua in a bit, but I think that <laughs> this is a really good time to um, kind of ease into basically the reason why you and I first started to talk. Um, it was like when we first met, you were on a kink panel at the Why Not conference um, and it was my first time attending. And you said something about um, your BDSM journey and, and having to experience what it's like to be a sub in order to understand how you are guiding people on their own journey. And I really want to just like touch back on that conversation because it was so fantastic and you were so insightful. So if we could talk a bit about your journey and like touching into your own submissive side in order to do your work as as the guide um, that you see yourself as in your in your work. Absolutely, I'd love to. Uh, it's actually one of it's it's something that I be I I get better talking at the more I talk about it. Right? Cool. It's uh, it's something that hasn't been uh, much of a conversation. More so, something that I've observed myself going through. So mm -hmm. when I get an opportunity to talk about it, it, it helps me flesh it out so I can help explain it better too. So thank you for the for this opportunity. So happy uh, to help. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I started, when I came into the lifestyle, I was, I can't even say the lifestyle. When I started, when I started feeling powerless over uh, an addiction, mm -hmm. some people believe in sex addiction. Some people don't. Uh, I do. And I believe that I am a sex addict and it controlled my life for many years. Uh, I'm one of those statistical parents of children with multiple women, right? It's, uh, mm -hmm. I've burned and I've crashed and burned numerous relationships for decisions I've made around sex. And it was powerless, right? I was powerless. So one of the things I wanted to gain was power over myself and power in my relationships. There were, when I was 18, I had my first child and uh, the, the relationship soured and tanked really quick. Mm -hmm. And, uh, through the court system, uh, this is back in the 90s, fathers had to fight to prove their value, right? And it, it hasn't changed. It's changed, but it hasn't changed drastically mm -hmm. uh, today. To go through that system, it's very disempowering and very um, isolating. I believe And it. for 
a lot of men who experience it, it's very angering. And it creates a level of PTSD that brings a negativity towards the mothers of our children. In turn, creating a distaste towards women, right? A hate towards women because why? Wow, this is the first time I'm actually getting getting to speak about this like this. Yeah. Why? Why do I have to continue proving I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing at the same time? She doesn't have to do anything, right? And I'm putting air quotes because yeah, this is how it feels, right? right? So, time goes on, and from 18 to my early 20s, I have a resentment towards women, mm-hmm. but I'm also not malicious, right? So, mm-hmm. how do I achieve power over? my relationships with women. And I think the first sign of that was when I was able to say no for sex. Yeah. Right. When I turned down sex for the first time, that was so powerful, right? Because when does a man ever say no to a woman? Again, air quotes. Right. Culturally, in the society and culture that I grew up in, you know, your masculinity and manhood is defined by the amount of sex you have. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, this is feeding itself and, and, and I'm learning and I'm building a better understanding of myself and why. Right. Yeah. Wow. I'm excited to hear this back because I've, this is my first time putting these pieces together like this. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating. Also the, the idea that the bureaucratic system feeds into the hate of, of women. Right. It's yeah. 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 Easy. Easy. Mm-hmm. Right. So time passes and I, and I've always enjoyed kinkier things curiosity always right since yeah. i was a kid playing doctor with my neighbor right yeah. five years old right? this stuff starts early it, it's not something that you turn 21 and you're like oh my god i have a fetish right right it, this is something that's that's rooted that that if you look back and it's not bad and it's not malicious and it's not not there's no malintent this is genuine primal curiosity that we have as human beings yeah right? absolutely touch sensation stimulation uh, right, it feels good. I'm curious why. Why does the body have this, and why does the body do that? Yeah. Right. So time progressed, and I was engaging. Right, and I'm, I'm out there, and I'm learning what power exchange is by dominating the sexual journey of the relationships. Right, because I I believe in equality, and I've always culturally, right, as a Latinx male, the the way we are, and then there's the whole umbrella of that too, right, machismo and Latino and, and Mm-hmm. And who does what and how do you treat my, my my mother and my grandmother left and my sister left huge impressions in my life on how I treat women and the respect that I give. Right, mm-hmm. my sister, I love my sister to the end of the world. She's my savior and my abuser. Right, the only one that I'm right. that can beat him up is me. <laughs> right, right, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, and but we're tight, like a tight bond. So mm-hmm. I've always led or engaged in my relationships with a level of equality. And and open and, and communication. I can't even say open communication because that shit takes years to learn. No right? shit. To be, to be able to, to be honest, right? Because we we're not honest people from the get. Right. Uh, and I and I believe we're conditioned that way, right? Anyway, so as I grew and as I matured in my relationships, I cheated. I lied. I cheated some more, and I lied because sex was still my focus. Right now that I now that I have the power of yes and no. Now I can choose who I engage with, right? So if I want, I will go out and get. It's empowering, right, to to understand the chemistry of people you connect with. Yeah. So this was in my early to late twenties. Um, I started to get involved in the uh, the internet exploded, right? And I I saw a million things. I saw fisting for the first time. I was like, "There's no way that's real." Um, <laughs> and uh, sounding and a lot of crazy air quotes crazy stuff that i was curious about because the body cannot do that so (laughs) the doors open and and uh, i start to look for these things and in the mid 2000s late 2000s uh mid to late 2000s i start i find the community here in new york and uh, i start to come out and connect with people in the community in my time out there this is why I start learning about communication being the key. If I can connect with a person and I can build the trust, if I can focus on the relationship, the play will be there. I started connecting with um, 
different types of people within the community. And when I could connect with them, I was connecting with them on, on things that weren't kink related, like socioeconomics, who we are and where we're from, period. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, sitting down and talking and getting to know people, that is when things started to become even more apparent, right? That if you sit and you listen to someone and you share and you become vulnerable, these relationships build and they build fast and they build strong, right? Absolutely. On the same note, this can be weaponized too, right? Because you sit and you watch and you watch how easily this can be manipulated because of the romanticizing of what it is, right? Uh, You get someone out there who knows the lingo, who has bad intent, and it's easy for them, Mm -hmm. right? Because there is a flavor to this. There is a flow to this that that uh, it's observable and you can learn it and you can integrate it into who you are and continue your exploration from that. What you do with it is is uh, is important, right? It's the whole uh, great power, great responsibility thing. Yes. Right? Spider-Man, right? So it's yeah. like these <laughs> I know connections... it's from RuPaul, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> these connections and, and opportunities are very real what are we going to do with it? As I continue growing and as I continue fucking up my relationships and as I continue uh, not being truthful, right? Like at this point, I can't say lying because uh, what, what, what I'm learning through this is integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Just be truthful. And it's not, again, not the easiest thing in the world. It's simple, but it's not the easiest thing in the world. No, not right? at all. So that's something that you have to put effort into is what does integrity mean? Right. It doesn't just mean not lying. It also means being honest with yourself, mm-hmm. right? And not omitting and being transparent. Right. So these tools I started working on, sharpening them, right? Because we know how to do it. We just have to create the environment and the support for ourselves that if we do it good, bad, or indifferent, it's going to change our lives for the better. Right. And I started to notice this pattern, almost like watching karma work. Right. If you do what's right, right will come back. Right. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you have a debt to work off too, right. Of 35 years of, of karma that you're trying to fix throughout this entire process. Right. I believe in karma. So it's like, uh, I believe the trials and tribulations that I go through are payment for the past or earning for the future. So it's like it's a, it's a it's a fucking headache it's a helpful way to look at it though it makes it maybe tolerable in the moment <laughs> right right first time i said that first time i said that about the future because because oh. like i pray and i ask for i ask for the answers to come i ask for the work to present itself i don't ask it for it to be easy right right and i notice that every time i say it because something difficult always comes and I'm like, shit, why didn't I ask for it to be easier? <laughs> but, but I like, I like earning the stripes, right? <laughs> yep. Not so we're much, we're I, here for I, a I little pain. Earning them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say I like it, but I understand it. Right. So, so uh, time continues and I'm, I'm sharpening these skills and uh, I, I, I have a dynamic that I, a relationship that I just entered a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago, actually. Our anniversary is just past, last month. Oh, uh, wonderful. And uh, I told her, I said, she's the first adult relationship I'm in as an adult, right? Because wow. we're not for adults in our fucking 20s, right? We're just learning how to change our underwear, right? After messing them. Oh, my <laughs> God, for real, though. <laughs> <laughs> our 30s, we're starting to learn how to walk. But we're still putting our fingers in outlets and eating stuff <laughs> we not be eating. Right? I have so many outlets to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, our 40s, it's like I, I can, I feel like an adult. Like, so this is what it feels like, right? I think mentorship is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. I have four kids. I have a, a 20, shit, I got to check my tattoos for ages. I have a 22-year-old. <laughs> A 23-year-old, a 22-year-old, a 15- and a 14-year-old. Wow. And uh, my second 
I've been talking with her recently about the importance of mentorship or someone older than you to talk with, right? That isn't fam. That doesn't necessarily have to be family, but yeah. someone who has walked and experienced life to help you, right? Ask the questions and, and a platform for you to bounce things off of or get some constructive criticism so that we don't have to continuously make the same mistakes or at least uh, without guidance to navigate them, right? Yeah, um, as long as you're willing to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? It's like, that's why I love when people reach out to me. Oh, Matt, Joshua, Joshua. Like on, on social media, I get people that ask me questions about, especially around self-identification. Mm. Right? It's like, this is what I heard. Is this true? It's like uh, my youngest daughter, who's uh, 14, I asked her about um, what type of sexual education are you getting? Sex education are you getting? And she said, well, once in the sixth grade, uh, they taught us about the science behind baby making, right? And it's like, that's not, that's nothing. Like that's technical shit. If we were observing human beings from a technical standpoint, how lame would we be, right? We'd be like destructive, cancerous things until we can understand the emotions behind it, right? So one of the first things I asked her was, so how do you identify, right? So, something no one's asked her before. Oh my God. And uh, she goes, well, I like boys, but she's also a jock, right? So she mm-hmm. carries a lot of masculine energy. And uh, she goes, I like boys, but in the sixth grade, this one girl told me I'm a lesbian because of the way I walk. <laughs> so I said, listen, child, <laughs> don't let anyone decide or label you for who you are or who you love. I explained to her about my uh, gender identity. I'm sorry, sexual orientation, pansexual for the record, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we can go into the CPO sexual and all that, like more defined stuff, but I connect with people. Mm-hmm. You know, my desire is the individual in front of me, regardless of your gender, right? If we have a chemistry that works and it develops into something a lot more intimate, I'm all for it, right? Because I love you as a person by that point. Right? Absolutely. So, Let's share time and space and see how nasty you can get. Yes. Uh, right. So, um, you know, supporting her in her questions and her and her journey is hugely important for me because I didn't have that as a kid. Right. I had I had Dare, which was stupid. Right. It's I had, awful. Uh, they had sex uh, abstinence programs, right, and then they started giving out condoms in school, which I had a pocket full of them, uh, but. No one told us about relationship investment. Mm-hmm. No one told us about introspection and, and finding uh, peace with yourself, at least in the beginning, right? Being okay with where you're at. Yeah. Right? And then you have peer pressure and all that shit. It's like, it's a recipe for disaster. Why aren't we talking to our kids about it? Why aren't we normalizing the conversation? Oh, absolutely. Right? So uh, I think mentorship is huge. If I had someone who could have guided me in the first, I mean, just in fucking life. But uh, mm-hmm. even when I made it out to the community, I think, I think it helps. Mentorship, mentorship's a huge deal. Do you see your, your role as master or, or Dom as a mentor? Yes, I absolutely feel uh, that my role has developed into a mentorship role uh, in all facets, personal, uh, professional, uh, romantic, because I've got the experience, I create the space for others to have their own experiences and teach them what it's like to have a safe space so that they can recreate it for themselves and move forward with it. In this process, I've come across many masters and mistresses right, who like to dish out punishment without understanding the mental, spiritual, psychological effects, physical effects that it has on the person. Yes. Right? And one of the first things I, I learned in martial arts right, is... I have to know how it's going to feel to get hit to see how this stuff works, right? I've studied martial arts for a number of years and my approach is also very uh, ritualistic, mar- martial arts based. I have a warrior, way of the warrior type of mentality, way of the warrior spirit, right? Yeah. Do no harm, uh, but carry a big stick type of thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I believe in order for me to teach something, I have to have learned it. Mm-hmm. Right. In order for me to teach something, I have to have experienced experienced it. 
Now you have people who say, well, I'm a master, I'm a, I'm a male, you can't vaginally fist me, so how can I experience it? It's like, relax, it's the formula behind it, right? It's yeah. the idea, of, if I'm going to put you through something, I should at least know what you're, go- what you're experiencing, it, what you're experiencing in it. Even if it's boiled down to the psychological mind frame that you're in of submission, right? How do I know what submission feels like? And how do I know where you're at if I don't know it? If I don't know what commitment and faith is and trust, how do I ask someone to give it to me? Mm. I don't know what that means to give to someone. How am I going to ask for someone to give it to me? Right. So Mm -hmm. if we removed all the fetishes, right, submission as a mind frame, working and investing your time into a purpose greater than yourself, right? Understand what service means and understand what it means to give someone from yourself, right? Before asking from someone else. Yes. Right. Go fucking wait tables before you go out to eat. And yeah. Dick it with a wait and staff, if you right? aren't going to wait tables, make sure you tip so much more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can boil it down to that, right? It's like, don't bitch about service if you never waited tables and know what it means to stand on your feet 10 hours a day. Absolutely. Right? Yes. <laughs> Circumstantially, right? Like, if they fucked up my meal and the chicken and waffles come out cold and my drinks flatten. No, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> no when to complain. Just no when to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just no, right? So. Uh, my my understanding of that led me to I started with bothering right because submission for me doesn't come easy mm-hmm. through my time invested in in learning domination about submission topping and bottoming and uh, all the ins and outs of this lifestyle submission isn't something that comes easy right I have to have complete confidence in the actions of the person that's going to be handling my body if I, if I don't I can't shut it off. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm observing. I, I can't not. Right. So you have to earn my trust. And I hate to put it that way, but you have to earn my trust in the sense that you've invested the time in learning what you're about to do to me. Yeah. If you can't, if I don't feel that confidence, submission isn't coming. Absolutely I, not. I'll yeah. bottom, but I, I, I can't be submissive. Yeah. Right. I can't let it go. Um, so, Bottoming, I've I've done I've done almost everything. Um, I have to think about what I haven't done that I've done to others. I mean, hook suspension, but I haven't done hook suspension to anyone. Right. Uh, <laughs> there's one out there. I know there's one because we laughed about it when it came up. But it's the basic understanding of. Right? Mm-hmm. I I have to know what you're experiencing, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, and physically if I want to really be a part with you. Right? Now you have the people who just go through the actions and it's it's just the motions, right? Oh, you like to be flogged, 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 next, you know. Right. It's not, it's not the same thing, right? So as a bottom, what, during times of stress and anxiety, I like to be heavily flogged, like mm. heavily flogged, like beat me uh, so I can get that energy out of me. If, if I had known this... 20 years ago, I'd have less, half the tattoos I have now, right? Because I realized <laughs> that my tattoo work is my, was my outlet yes. for years, right? Now I got like 80% of my body covered. That's and I was so like, relatable. I could have just done this with flogging. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something I joke about now, but I, <laughs> tattoos hurt. I'm, I'm the biggest, softest, biggest crybaby in the world. Uh, <laughs> so talking with, new people in the community, I, I tried to plant the seed of experiencing what the submissive or the bottom is going to go through so you can empathize with them, right? So you can relate and understand what they're experiencing. So you so you know that you don't go 100 miles per hour right off the bat because that shit hurts. And you know, because look at your back, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, ouch, maybe I was doing this wrong. I was, uh, I was working MAL with uh, uh, a booth uh, called thekinkshop.com. Uh, they actually sponsor uh, sponsor a lot of the stuff that that I've done, uh, and they have a little zapper, right? And it's one of those copper little mini cattle prods. Oh yeah. And they 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 have a few ways to use them. One, it's a loud pop, and it's not really painful, but it's scary. And then there's other ways that fucking hurt, right? So I know this because I have it and I've used it on myself, <sighs> and I hate it, right? It hurts. Yeah. So we're at the booth and we're vending. 
and these little kids come over. And I say kids because they're in their 20s, right? Acting like fucking jackasses. And this one kid picks it up and he starts chasing his friend with it and he pops him with it. And I grab him by the arm and I snatch the toy out of his hand and I address him firmly. I spoke about the importance of understanding what the person is experiencing yeah. beforehand. And I asked him if he really wanted to try it. And uh, it, it, it created a scene to where he apologized and he ended up trying to zap her and realized how painful it was and apologized to the kid right away. It's like, wow. oh my God, I didn't realize. Well, yeah, motherfucker, like you don't play around with this stuff. I've in, the, in New York, the kink community isn't fully integrated, right? You have the pansexual community, you have the gay community, and then you have the queer community. Right? Mm -hmm. There's no, the integration is loose, right? So sometimes when I go out to gay bars with boys that are either my leather family that I play with, there would be people who would come and pick up a toy and swing it at the submissive that I'm topping in the middle of my scene. And it's like, people like, you have to reach out and touch someone to, uh, to prove a point. It's like, you know, don't put your hands on somebody. Right? This is what's going to happen if you do this again. Right? I, right. I love those types of swift, just, uh, swift justices, uh, swift lessons, but mm -hmm. you don't, you don't know what the person's experiencing, right? Like, let's say if if uh, if the person was uh, averse to being spanked because of childhood trauma, right? And someone right. comes out and spanks them on the ass just out of the blue, it's like, <laughs> you know, what what are we doing here, right? So, yeah. understanding the roles of of uh, top and bottom and and what we experience in both of them is hugely important for me. Not that to was, mention consent. But uh, well, yeah. yeah. Consent, yeah right? <laughs> Instead of being the over the overall uh, one hundred percent informed consent, uh, being being the key, right? Yes. So my as time progressed in my domination, my my lifestyle experience on the top and dominant side, my window for trust shrunk mm. for uh, me engaging from a submissive side because things refined more and more and people become became less and less able to fulfill the level of qualification air quotes that i need in order for me to be submissive right and it's not just technical things right I, it revolves heavily around self-confidence right yeah. i can be submissive to someone who is sure not false surety but who has invested the time and is sure in their actions with my body right uh or Right, even in the sense of, if I tell you go run with it, don't doubt yourself and don't doubt what I'm telling you. Run with it, right? Yeah. Like, uh, particularly fisting. I love being fisted. It's huge things for me. Awesome. If I say green light, fucking don't doubt yourself. In a moment like this, I don't need you to doubt. I need you to push. Yeah. Right, because we're breaking through boundaries and like I need confidence, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm in my space of fear right we're at the edges of my boundaries uh uncertainty right tell me things are okay walk me through it uh, yeah move because, forward with certainty right with as a as a dominant as a strong-willed submissive male right because i'm identified as a dominant right i think men are innately submissive right mm -hmm. queens are dominants right mm -hmm. knights are warriors who are submissive to their queens submission doesn't mean weakness Right? I like to get shit done and I'm very able to get things done. Um, I need a leader who can point in the direction because I'm a warrior. I'm not, I lead, but after leading for X amount of time, I don't want to lead over time. Like I just want to mm -hmm. put the shit down and fucking just follow direction sometimes. Everybody wants that break. Yes. Right. So uh, my as time progressed, my trust window shrank. I'm learning more about myself and what dominance and submission mean to me. But my bottom experience is widen, right? Because I'm training people in how to top and how, how to use these instruments effectively. About three years ago, four years ago, is when the desire for submission starts to creep and it starts to grow. It comes in waves, right? It's like it swells and then it shrinks. It swells and then it shrinks. And the journey for submission has not been easy, right? Because for me to hold potential power exchange experiences up to such a high level isn't fair for those that are learning themselves, right? Like uh, for the people that I trust in 
other aspects of my life. Right. I want to create the space for them to grow so that I can trust them in doing these things to me as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's been, that's been part of my journey for the last four years, three or four years is really opening up these doors of understanding what, who am I as a submissive, but also what the different levels of the mind frame and experiences are. Like I've experienced subspace twice in all these years, right? And both of them came through sensual touch. One was from a male slave who he was lightly touching me and I was on a massage table and I felt my face falling through the hole in the massage table. It was wild. I, I grabbed him. I said, Michael, don't go anywhere. Right? I got scared. Yeah. Right. Because I've never experienced and I envy that. Right. I envy the submissive who can experience subspace because I don't know that freedom. Yeah. It's it's painful to a degree. Right. Because it seems so peaceful. It seems so tranquil and I can help get you there but I've never experienced it to that degree yeah so it takes trust it takes it takes a lot of trust <laughs> so after I fell through the massage table <laughs> right <laughs> I, that one short uh then there was another one actually <laughs> the second time my partner she was spanking me Mm. And I was averse to spanking for a long fucking time because I just hate people spanking my butt. The good game shit in school, I wanted to fucking punch people in the face or don't even slap my butt. Why are you touching me? Right? Yeah. It's like, don't even fucking think about touching my butt. Right? <laughs> so we were getting into it and she was spanking me. And in my mind, I was somewhere else. I said, ooh, take off your clothes. And she said, my clothes are off, are already off. And at that moment, I realized I was somewhere else. I believe we are all switches, right? I believe dominance and submission require a certain level of trust with the person sitting in front of us. Mm -hmm. And there's a natural level of it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, variety is the spice of life, right? I feel like people who stick to only one or the other um, aren't exploring one whole, whole ass side of themselves. Of themselves because um, yeah. I feel the same way I think everybody's a switch like we definitely have our preferences and our our places where we're comfortable but um I think it's nice to get out of our comfort zone yeah for sure absolutely yeah because my comfort is I'd have to think about that actually mm. right because there's where would I be comfortable as opposed to where am I at right, right. and uh <clears throat> believe me there's days that i wish my my partner and i'm gonna say primary i hate fucking hierarchy but for argument's yeah. sake right for conversational sake <laughs> primary <laughs> right um relationship i hope i sometimes days that i wish i wake up and she has directions for me yeah. get this done right? this is what we need done today and boom no question like yes ma'am you know i'll do it right she's yes. my mommy to, in the in, the, in our power exchange there's a, a caretaker, caretakee, mm -hmm. like I'm a little boy to her, right? And it's, um, but I'm also the, the strength in the relationship, Yeah. right? She's the, she's here, right? I'm here, right? right. I can, I can move rocks. For she listeners, just he's pointing, <laughs> she's here up at his head and, and he's his bicep muscle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So, you know, I, I, and I've expressed it too, or, you know, I would love for you to take the lead. Just lead me, guide me. Yeah. Because I work best that way. You know, I'm the guy, I was in law enforcement for a period of time and I just wanted to be given my orders for the day mm -hmm. and just let me go on and do them, right? If it's transporting people, if it's presenting in court, if it's going to the range, whatever, just tell me what I need to do. I'm like a hammer to the nail, bam, bam, bam. Yes. Quick and easy, black and white. But, um, the way life has played out up until this point, I've had to lead more than follow yeah. because I've had to create my own safe spaces. I've had to create my own, my own journey. Right. And all too often we leave the driver's seat up to others for our own journey. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't have that. Right. The, the first experience, the, the experience that I, I had that really turned that over was I went to a queer event when they were just starting here in New York years ago, mm -hmm. a queer fetish event. And I showed up hetero, uh, cis male representative, right? And mm -hmm. 
this is how I'm comfortable walking around. Right? When I get to a venue, when I got to the venue, I was getting a lot of cold shoulders and I just was made to feel real uneasy. And I, I hung out there for a couple of hours and then we left. And what bothered me was, what if I was someone who was just coming out for the first time, right? And in my bag, I had a change of clothes, right? For a more feminine expression. Would you just shut me out because I walked through the door not fitting your description, right? Not fitting your preference. And you've alienated my experience, my ability, my potential to open this door that can change my life forever. It was very heartbreaking, very disheartening to experience that in a community that's supposed to be supportive of our journeys, right? So mm -hmm. um, creating my own space, I ended up uh, hosting my own events with my then girlfriend uh, to create a space that was accessible and acceptable for every of everyone. That's not an asshole. <laughs> Right? Yes. <laughs> like, don't be a dick. You can come in, just don't be a dick. If you're a dick, you got to go. Right? It's so, a great rule. <laughs> <laughs> but feeling safe also is something that when it comes to roles, right? Dominant. Why are there so many male dominants out there? Mm -hmm. Right? If you boil up, <laughs> there was a mistress I knew who said, especially on FetLife, uh, most male dominants are submissives who couldn't get laid. Right, so what do they do? They empower themselves with the role, right, and the knowledge to, to, to get what they want. Air quotes, all that in air quotes. Mm -hmm. right? um, if we could just find safety in in the people in front of us, so that we can converse openly, right, we can start really digging into our entire being, as opposed to the roles that get us from point A to point B. Oh, absolutely, and I feel like, I mean. I love when my clients can come to me and most of my clients are cis white men. Um, I love when they can come to me and are like, I'm curious about this fetish or like I'm interested in feminization or like uh, just any of those things where they're exploring their own sexuality. Cause I really think that we have an aggression issue in white men and I really think that if people could explore who they are honestly and openly with the people that they love around them, that we might have less of that. It's oh, a huge. hypothesis. <laughs> Usually there was, there was a woman that, uh, that used to work for my partner. She, she had a, a swingers club mm -hmm. that it became more fetish prominent after we connected. Um, <laughs> and she had a woman that, that, that used to frequent the, uh, the venue. And she was from um, upstate New York. And if anyone doesn't know, New York City is the only larger urban metropolitan area of New York State. New York State wholly is farmland and country, right? So it's mm -hmm. like very not New York City. Uh, so leading with that, culturally, right? White male, religious white males are out there, mm -hmm. abundance of them, right? And she's in the venue and we're talking and she's talking about the, uh, he's assumed the male dom role in the relationship and they're unhappy and he's an asshole. And it's like, she's really the dominant one because she makes all the decisions in the house and she makes the money and you start stacking up the responsibilities and the, and the dominant roles hats that she wears, the male starts to feel a lot more insecure. Right. Right. Creating conflict, creating anger and violence, all potential for, right? Because now he has resentment. Right? Because I'm the dumb, but I'm not shit. Right? Mm. Because I'm not making the money, I'm not paying the bills, I'm not cooking the dinner, I'm not keeping the house. She's always mad at me, right? I'm not playing my fucking Call of Duty. And I say that I used to be a video game addict. Right? I was putting hours on that shit. Mm -hmm. So I went PlayStation Nation and I fucking cut that shit out, right? Because we have responsibilities as human beings to socialize with those in our life. Yeah. At least I liked it, right? To a degree. Yes. To a degree. Let's invest with what we have tangible in our life because that's where experiences are made yeah right? so anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> so she's telling me about her problems and i said well what it sounds like is he doesn't want to hit accept his natural submission submissive role in the relationship right because society has told him culture has told him religious has told him the man is the head of the household mm -hmm. and so what do we do right so uh she went home and she told him about our conversation. 
And he messaged me on FetLife and he was cursing at me on via message. And uh, he was saying, how oh, fuck dare you try to X, Y, and Z and uh, disrespect me and stuff like that. So I gave him my phone number. I had him call me. Mm-hmm. Right? So he calls me and he's fucking fuming on the phone. I said, listen, and I laid it out. I said, this is what I see from where I'm standing. And I've been doing this for a little bit. So just hear me out. Yeah. So I lay it all out. I, I point out all the dominant hats that she wears. I point out his profile, right? Mm-hmm. Religious, country, white male, uh, dominance, pressure, right? I said, try this. I said, try not arguing with your wife for two weeks and doing as she says. And if you have any complaints, bring up the complaints after you do what she says. Let me know how things change. Sure as shit. He did it two weeks and things were magical. He right? did because it. He did it. Right? Wow. <laughs> I, I, I had to get a tone with him that was more, I'm going to say assertive, but in a guiding kind of way. Right. I yeah. wasn't an asshole to him, but I was speaking to him matter of fact. Right. Right. And uh, he did it. Now, well, and you, you made him feel seen. And then gave him a bit of guidance, which is like, that is the approach rather than just, you know, coming at someone or coming for somebody with, you know, how you see them. He, he felt seen. Yeah. Yeah. So it ended up, it worked for a little bit, but then, you know, that shit has to be maintained. That should have, that's why you have mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. So that when he starts feeling like he's little again and insignificant and starts to resent, listen, this is what's going on. You, you, you push, push them right along. Yeah. But uh, you know, without, without some type of guidance or mentorship and commitment to working this system so that everyone is seen and heard and respected, mm-hmm. it's going to fall apart, right? This stuff is not, you, it's not a, a switch you turn on and it's done. Oh, absolutely. That's amazing. I, I love that he just messaged you <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it turned into a conversation. Um, I almost wished more more conversations like that. I mean, not almost, I do wish more conversations like that would happen. Um, I think they're really important because it really stemmed like his, his anger stemmed from shame. Oh, hugely. Yeah. Hugely. And when, when you boil it all down, right. If until we can work past the shame and float in things that we enjoy and that represent us well, that's going to be a battle. Yeah, I find that shame can be at the root of so many, so many problems. Um, And I think people in the kink community and sex workers and like people taking folks on this like journey of sexual exploration help people to face this shame that maybe they didn't even know they had around things. And I like I am here for this, like, it's not even like sexual liberation because I find that when I face something that I've had shame around, whether it's sexually related or not, that I am a more liberated being. That was, that was what attracted me to like reach out to you when you said like, I help, uh, like I guide people through this journey. Cause I do, I do see it as a journey. And so many people approach it as we're talking about like the the there's a lot of doms like men male doms out there um yeah there's a lot of doms out there who are approach it from (laughs) i'm like i'm like i don't like how i just said that and and no it's funny because it's the cis dom cis male dominance yeah right because even even with the trans trans men trans men aren't the same no in 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 the in the way that and there's a generalization uh, aren't the same in the way that the lifestyle is approached, right? Yeah. Because culture, just culture and society have raised them differently. Yes. Right. Yep. The, there's the expectation of, from the man, right? Yeah. The trans man has had to transition to this point and has had to deal with different experiences in life that will yes. give them a different perspective. Yeah. So it's like the cis, the cis men that approach it from a place of <laughs> because, like, yeah. How many, how many, how many messages do you get a month by dumb men looking to submit, right? Yeah. Oh, mistress, I've never done this before, but I'll do it for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or even just like looking for a sub and it's just like, oh. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's super common. Did, did you not read my profile? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, 
but yeah and that style is very much so like there's a lack of aftercare there's a lack of like truly understanding a person and what it is that they want one thing you said in our conversations before that i i've honestly like i can't stop thinking about it is the um asking someone how they want to feel rather than like what acts they like yeah and i love that so the idea behind that right through through time again through time learning and a lot of listening Mm -hmm. um one of the one of the life life and game changing uh, pieces of information that I learned was the approach of wanting to understand the feeling, the desired feeling, as opposed to the desired action. Right. So, and again, it's simple when you think about it. But these aren't. This isn't the approach we're taught to uh, to experience our journey with. Right. right. So. If I ask you, do you like to be flogged? Yes, I like to be flogged. Hard or soft, right? Stingy or thuddy. It's like check, 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 check. But what we don't think about is what type of feelings do you want to elicit? What type of feelings, what do you want to experience emotionally while I'm flogging you? Do you want it to be a disciplinarian feel? Do you want it to be a sensual, connected feeling? Do you want to feel punished or challenged? Right. Yeah. Where and how are we feeling this, right? Um, because not only that, right, but I have to interpret what you want to feel with my understanding of how to express that, right? So how do I mm-hmm. dominate a person who wants to be, be flogged sensually? How do I dominate sensually? And what does that look like for me, right? How there's, there's a lot that goes on between the two in negotiation or in understanding the other person. Yeah. Right. Um, that's why, like, I understand negotiating and vetting for weeks out at a time, and and especially if it's if you're going to connect to play, mm-hmm. but check in that day, right? Because how you're feeling a week before isn't going to be the same how you feel that that day when you walk in through the door. Right. right? In the same way, like, I could feel more of a dom one day and like more of a sub the next, or even just like months out. Like we change as life goes on, day to day, but also like year to year. Yeah, or, or like, let's say you woke up having a fantastic day. Right? Coffee was on point, your breakfast sandwich, egg McMuffin came out toasty. And yes. then right before you got to your session, someone, you got a ticket. Mm. Now you're angry. Like, you motherfucker, right? Now you're showing you're not happy and cheery anymore, maybe. So instead of a instead of a, some central play, now you need a hard paddling right, to yeah. get that aggression out of you. Right? So um, mm-hmm. understand that we change, and it's not a day-to-day thing. It's a minute-to-minute thing. Yeah. very much that and this is where we're going to leave the conversation for this episode i hope y'all have enjoyed it so far it only gets increasingly juicy as we go on so stick around stay tuned listen to the next episode i know you were gonna anyway but i thought i'd just mention it as an idea Some of the things we mentioned in this episode are linked in the show notes, including the Why Not Conference, which is a conference for content creators in the adult industry, as well as kinkshop.com. There's a lot of different ways to support this podcast. You can continue to listen. That's great. Love that. You can become a patron on patreon.com slash sexygalaxypod, and 50% of those proceeds go to the work of a network of sex workers to excite revolution or answer Detroit. You could leave a review, which would be really helpful for my ratings and helping other people find the show. Um, So if you feel so inclined and you're feeling like tippy typing something up that's really nice, please do that. Thank you all for listening. I really love that this is a part of my life. Like I am so grateful that I get to create this content and that people actually listen to it it's pretty fantastic and space facts when you're moving at the speed of light you can see all of the colors in the light spectrum all at the same time and it's like a big queer acid trip you're welcome Nanu nanu motherfuckers. <laughs>